Well, good early morning, Waters Church. It is good to see you, and look at this crowd. Amazing amount of people out here, one hour early. Daylight savings, time change, got nothing on our worship. Come on, somebody. Woo! Hello, everybody watching online, probably still in your jammies. Shame on you. Well, we're so glad to have all of you here today. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. Felix did such a great job announcing our next weekend's offering kingdom builders, amen? Are you praying? Are you praying about what God would have you give? I hope you are. And if you're not, start doing so. And if you're married, what you do is you both go separate ways and you pray about it and come back and whichever one of you has the higher amount heard from God. Now, last night I said that, I say it all the time, and, and this couple came up to me and they said, you wouldn't believe what happened, Pastor. We both prayed. We came back together again. My husband asked me what was the amount God gave me, and I wrote it down, and he said, God gave me that exact number. And so I told him, that means that you're supposed to double it. That's <laughs> add them together and give it. Amen. <laughs> well, my name is Tim, uh, if I didn't say that already, and I'm the pastor here. For those of you here for the first time, and uh, you don't have to give. We just want you to enjoy the service. Uh, but for everybody else, we're praying for God to do great things, but we don't want to just pray about it. We want to contribute to it. And so next week, is that's what it, that's all about, uh, Kingdom Builders Offering. Make room for parking here, because uh, we do have a parking issue at our church. Uh, and and, uh, and here's what I want you to know is that we purchased uh, 1,300 chairs for this sanctuary. There's about 900 chairs out right now. That means we can put 400 more chairs in. We can logistically do that, but there's no point putting all those chairs out if we can't park cars for people to come on in. So that's why we got to manage a lot, of, a lot of different streams in this church. How many people are coming? How much room do we have in the parking? How many seats do we put out? It's a lot of, it's a lot of juggling, and our team, our deacon team, they do such a great job. Uh, and then they also do such a great job seating you, greeting you, uh, helping you find a seat. Can we just give it up for our deacon and elder and, and, and usher team? Amen. They're so good. They're so good. They got to put up with all the cranky Christians who come and say, I don't want you to tell me where to sit. We just, we just tell them that's all right. They, they just lukewarm. Jesus one day spit them out of his mouth. We're just going to pray for you to come to Jesus and know that we come to the front where the Holy Spirit is really abiding, toward the front. Amen. Sometimes the Holy Spirit only goes three rows back. How many know what I'm talking about? you got to get to the front. Okay, take out your uh, bulletins. We are going to do a message called uh, Blessed for Blessing. So the bulletin looks like this. Take it out, and in the bulletin, there is, again, the reminder of the Kingdom Builders. We want you to take that home, and that's just some information. Last year, we raised money for parking, and some of you are wondering, where did that go? Well, this is where it went. It went to planning, and it's, it's going into drawings and all that stuff, because we decided to do it legally. We were going to just do it, and then we realized, wait a second, we've got to do this according to the town's specifications and the codes and the laws of this town. So, um, you, know what, you know what doing it legally means? paying a lot more money. <laughs> so that's where that's going, and we have plans getting submitted to the planning board of our town to add up to 273 more parking spaces. But we will do that in chunks. So we will add like 70, and then we will add 80, and so on and so forth, until we have all the parking necessary to continue to build this church. Take out your bulletin, uh, take out your note page. That's also in the bulletin. It looks like this. Mine's already filled in. I want you to fill it in as we, as we go through this message. And uh, Today's message title again is Blessed for Blessing. 
Blessed for blessing. Matthew chapter 14, if you've got your Bibles or if you've got a smartphone Bible, either way, Matthew chapter 14, we're going to get there in just a moment, and I'll just do some uh, preliminary comments before we get to the scripture this morning. Uh, Blessed for blessing. How about we all say that together on the count of three? One, two, three. Blessed for blessing. Do you know Waters Church uh, or guests who live in this country, are you aware that you are blessed? Like two of you are. <laughs> are let me just try it again. Are you aware that you are blessed? If you're not aware yet, I'm going to make you aware. You live in the most prosperous country, not just in the world, but in the history of the world. No country in the history of humanity has ever lifted more people out of poverty than this country right here. You live in a country where you have un, uh, unlimited, almost, possibilities and potential. An absolute nobody can become a world changer in this blessed country. We thank God for this country. As Christians, we should be thanking God every day that we get to wake up in this country. And if you don't do that, you just need to go to another country for about three hours to realize how good you got it. I mean, I even went to Israel, and that's a blessed country, and I couldn't wait to come back home to this amazing homeland. I couldn't wait for two things. I wanted me some American people, and some Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee, praise be to God. It's gonna be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I guarantee you that. And Israel has some pretty good coffee, but ain't got nothing on Dunkin', hallelujah. But I was so glad to come home, and I'm reminded every time I leave this country just how good we got it. About eight years ago, some people who were disgruntled about the economic status of this country got themselves some tents and set themselves up just on the street, the wall, on Wall Street in New York City, and also I think in Boston and other major metropolitan areas in this country, and they were protesting who? Does anybody remember who they were protesting? The 1%, the 1%. Supposedly there's 1% of this population that owns, I don't know, 90% of the wealth. And so they were upset about it. Instead of getting a job, they got themselves a tent. They decided to protest. It lasted a couple of months. It made a big hoopla, and eventually the news cycle moved on and worried about Donald Trump becoming president. But today, we got to remember something. We've got to realize something about our country. We are extremely blessed. I read this in the Wall Street Journal just last week. It says, um, if you make $32,000 a year in America as a home, home, Income. That means everybody's income added together, $32,000 a year. Guess what? You are in the top 1% of the world's wealth. World's wealthy. Top 1%. Those people were protesting themselves. Again, compared to the rest of the world. We are very wealthy, very blessed. If you live in the bottom 5% of American income, bottom 5% of American income is $4,000 um, a year. $4,000 a year is $10 a day. And if you make $4,000 a year, you are in the top, uh, I'm sorry, you are richer than 70% of the rest of the world. We are blessed as Americans. $10 a day, top, uh, 
Uh, it, more, more blessed than 70% of the rest of the world. That's just our economic blessing. How many know we also live in the freest country on the face of the earth? Yeah. You should be getting, you should be thankful every day you wake up. Let me just give you some examples of why you should be thankful. Again, if you don't feel blessed, you're gonna feel blessed by the end of this list. I just wanna give you some other, other countries' laws, other countries' experiences, just so you know where you're at. In Ethiopia, many women have to walk four to five miles per day to get something as simple as water for their families. Four to five miles a day. How many know sometimes you don't even feel like walking to the fridge, somebody? In North Korea, owning a Bible can get you executed or deported to a labor camp. I have a hard time just getting you to bring your Bibles to church. This is the other world, this is the other countries of the world. In Pakistan, since January of 2014, there have been 232 reported terrorist attacks. 232. In Egypt, Liking a Christianity-themed Facebook status, liking a Christianity-themed Facebook status in Egypt is grounds for six years in prison. In Cuba, and Cuba is what kind of country? Communist. Some of you were feeling the burn. Back in 2000, feeling the burn, socialist Bernie. Woo-hoo-hoo, let's all share. Okay, socialism has a second cousin named communism. Actually, they end up becoming one and the same. And this is what Cuba gives us. A street sweeper in Cuba makes $19 a month. And a brain surgeon makes $22 a month. Communism, yay! In Denmark, baby naming laws require you to name your child from a government-approved list. In Afghanistan, child-forced marriages are common. Child-forced marriages. In the Sudan, without any trial, the National Intelligence and Security Service can indefinitely detain anyone for any reason. In Iran, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all banned. And then this country I'd never heard of in Mauritania, Mauritania, uh, sorry, Mauritania, Mauritania, over 4% of the 3.8 million person population are slaves right now. I'm so glad I live in this country. I hope you are too. Every day we should be waking up. I know we got our issues. I know. I know our country, if you watch enough news, you're convinced we're going straight to hell tomorrow. I understand that. Remember, 24-hour news cycle, about six news channels out there, they gotta talk about something. But if you just wake up in the morning and you get yourself your iced coffee, hallelujah, and then you get yourself to work and you do your deal and you just be kind to your neighbor and then you drive home and you love on your children and your family and your parents or whoever you're living with and then you go to bed and you do it all over again, it's a pretty good stinking day compared to the rest of the world. I'm so glad I am blessed to be in this country. Now, it's one thing to be blessed. I don't want to stay there. I want to be the next level according to the word blessed. I don't want to just be blessed. I want to be a blessing. Are you with me? 
to look at my life and say, God, you've been so good to me. I don't understand it. I can't fathom it. I'm just lucky. No, 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 no. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed by an almighty God who loves me. But he didn't just bless me for me. He blessed me so that other people could know the goodness of my God through me. Blessed for blessing. This is the big idea on the top of your notes. I want you to fill in the blanks. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to fill in the blanks. The big idea for today's talk is God blesses his people in order to bless the world. God blesses his people. Do you believe that? Some people don't want to serve God. They're missing out. He's a blessing God. He's a giving God. He's a generous God. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a rich God. And he's looking for people. The Bible actually tells us this. Do you know the Bible tells us this in Chronicles? It says he's looking. The eyes of the Lord sweep over the earth, looking for somebody to raise up with honor and power and dignity. God's looking for some people he can bless. I love that about our God. We are the ones who are lost. He's the one who finds us. You did not get saved. God came and saved you. Genesis chapter 12, God starts this mission off with a guy named Abraham. And to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham becomes the people of Israel, a massive country in the ancient world that overturned other countries through the amazing power of God's work in their lives. Israel gives us Joshua. Israel gives us, well, first, Israel gives us Moses. Moses gives us the law. The law of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, many of our constitution, constitutional rights are rooted in what Moses wrote 3,500 years ago. If you don't know that, it's because you went to public school. You need to get some real education to understand that many of the laws of this country are based in the Judeo ethic that was given to us through a man named Moses who was a child of Abraham. It's a great nation. Can I get a good amen, somebody? He says, I'll make you into a great nation. We get Moses, we get the Bible because of the Jewish people. We get the law because of the Jewish people. We get to understand what this God of the universe is like because of the Jewish people. Other nations in the ancient world worship the sun. They worship the stars. They worship rivers and lakes, grounds. They even worship cattle and pigs. Come on, you gotta have a mental delusion to worship a pig, somebody. And they worshiped all these other created things. But God, through the Jews, gives us a man who says, no, all the things you worship as God, we know the God who made those things you think are God's. He's the God of creation who was never born, who will never die. He lives forever. And all things live through him and by him and for him. He's the almighty, everlasting God of the universe. Thank you, God, for Israel that's given us these truths. And then Israel gave us Joshua who taught us how to be a conqueror and to be bold and be strong. And then Israel gave us David who gave us the songs of the Psalms. Every time you go to a funeral, there's a good chance you hear the words of a poor shepherd boy from Bethlehem who told us the Lord is our shepherd and because he's our shepherd, we'll never be in want. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. That 
comes because God was faithful to his promise to Abraham 3,500 years ago. And then Israel wasn't done yet. Israel gave us Moses and Joshua and David. And then Israel gave us Solomon, who fills us with the wisdom of God through the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. And then on God's best day, he gave us his best Jewish man, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin Mary and was given to the world as a sacrifice for sins that through Jesus's blood, every Jew and Gentile and Italian and German and Latino and African-American can come to know the goodness of our Lord God in heaven. Thank you, God, for Jesus. I'm ready to preach up in here. I hope you're ready to hear me on Daylight Saving Sunday. Thank you, God, that you're faithful to your promises. I'll bless you, Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. And then look at this last part of the verse. Put it back up on the screen if you guys would in the back. And I will bless you and make you a, your name great so that, somebody say so that. I'm always telling you to write, underline, and circle the so that's of the Bible. Because they always teach us about purpose. We're not just people, we're people of purpose. I will bless you, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing. I don't wanna just be blessed. I wanna be a blessing. I wanna be a blessing. That's second tier blessing, come on somebody. To know that God has poured into my life so that I can pour into others. What I know about the scriptures I pass on to men in this church every year, I, I pour it out for people. Because the Lord gave me a life goal a couple of months ago. My life goal is I don't want to die with anything that God has given me left up in my head. I want to pass it on to the next generation. Amen. Do you want to take what God has given you and pour it out so that when you leave planet Earth, and you will, the people who watched you live can say, I'm so glad they were in my life. That's what I'm talking about with this Kingdom Builders offering next week. That's what we're talking about today in Matthew chapter 14. We gotta look at the procedure of God through which he blesses the world. So Matthew chapter 14, let's take a look at it. Would you stand with me as we always do for the reading of God's word? This is not just a book. This is the very word of the living God. And so let's read verse 13. Here's what it says. Now when Jesus heard this, and we'll talk about what that is in just a moment, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went to shore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion. Can somebody say compassion? He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, Jesus, and the day is now over. Listen to the disciples. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said they don't need to go away. What are you talking about, Jesus? They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish, Jesus. And he said, bring them here to me. 
Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000, just 5,000 men. How many know 5,000 hungry men is a serious problem? That was just 5,000 men. They had some women and children there, and that's what Matthew makes note of besides women and children. 5,000 people fed miraculously by our Savior in the desolate place with five loaves and two fish. What can God do with you? Let's pray and ask God to bless us. Father, I ask that you will help us to hear your word and listen to you. And as we always pray, every time we're together, I pray, may we see Jesus and him only. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said a big? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. An elderly lady had lost her husband, tragically. And she was lonely and she decided to get herself a pet. So she went to the pet store. She said, what do you recommend? I don't want a dog. They're too much energy. I don't want a cat. They're second cousins of Satan. Her words, not mine. Don't get offended at me. What do you recommend? The pet store owner said, get yourself a parrot. They live a long time, and the best part is they talk to you. So she took him upon his words, and she got a parrot. She brought the parrot home, and the parrot didn't talk. She went back two days later, said the parrot's not talking. He said, did you buy the parrot a mirror? She said, no. He said, buy him a mirror because he'll love the mirror. He'll start talking to you. She bought the mirror, put it in the cage. Two days later, she comes back, parrot still not talking. He said, did you buy the parrot a ladder? She said, no. He says, buy the parrot a ladder because they like to go up and down. They like to walk. They get to some exercise, and they start talking. So she bought the ladder, put it in the cage. Two days later, she comes back, parrot still not talking. He says, did you buy the parrot a swing? Because parrots like to have fun. It loosens them up, and then they start talking. So buy him a swing. So she bought him a swing, and two days later, she comes back with a dead parrot. She says, this parrot died. He says, that's tragic. Sorry to hear it. By the way, did the parrot ever say anything to you? She said, as a matter of fact, he did. Right before he died, he said, do they got any food at that pet store? <laughs> it's not a real story, just relax about it. No animals were harmed in the telling of this fable, okay? Sometimes we can be so consumed with extemporaneous things, we forget what's most important. What's most important? I'll tell you what's most important. Getting people back into fellowship with the bread of life and the living water. And Jesus came and said, I am the bread of life. If you eat my flesh, you will never go hungry again. He was talking about spiritual food. And then he said to a woman at the well, I am the living water. And if you drink my water, you'll never grow thirsty again. Jesus said, I am the most important. I am that important to you. Do you understand how important Jesus is to you? He said he was bread and water. How long can you live without bread? How, how, how many of you have tried the Atkins diet? How many of you have done that? You poor people. Don't you realize bread is godly? I tried the Atkins diet way back, back when it was really popular in 2000. I had 16 straight days of no carbs, no carbs whatsoever. There was a hole in my heart that only bread could fill. 
I've been there. Jesus said, you can't live without me for very long. You can't live without bread for very long. How long can you live without water? You can't live more than three days without water by scientists' estimates. Jesus said, I'm the living water. What is Jesus saying? I'm the most important thing you can have. And bringing people to Jesus, listen, is the most important thing we can do. It is not getting people to vote. It is not getting people educated. It is not getting people dressed. It is not getting people clothed. All those things are important, absolutely, and we should do it because we're the church. But the most important thing is to introduce people who are far from God to the God who came to save them in his son, Jesus. That's the most important thing. And what you're going to see here in this, power, in this passage in Matthew chapter uh, 14 is that, that Jesus liked eating with people. I'm so glad that the Bible has so many stories of Jesus eating with people because it teaches me that my Jesus likes to eat. How many are you feeling more like Jesus right now? <laughs> Last year I did a series called You're Invited. If you remember it, it went right up to our Christmas service last year, You're Invited, we talked about the meals of Jesus. That series could have gone on for 18 weeks because if you read the Gospels, you see this. Jesus is eating all the time. My wife and I, we love one particular channel on our cable lineup. We love the Food Network. Can I get a witness from somebody at first service? Hallelujah. The Food Network is from God. You know, when you're young, it's amazing how your celebrity, what, who, the celebrities you know changes when you grow older. Like when we were young, me and my wife, we knew like, we knew like Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson and, and we knew like, you know, popular singers of stage and, and screen and all that stuff. And, and now we don't know who's popular now. Like we know Ed Sheeran a little bit. We know a little bit, like one song I've heard of his. I, I, I think I know a couple of his songs. And, and, and now our, our celebrities are now Amanda Freitag. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Mario Batali, come on somebody, give me some Italian brothers in the house. Jeffrey Zakarian, Iron Chef Jeffrey Zakarian, hallelujah. One day I want to eat something that Jeffrey Zakarian has cooked. Life goals, hashtag. <laughs> I mean, you know something? I, I just think about that, like I get older and now I'm into the Food Network. That switches me on, man. I used to like MTV, I'm getting old. But then I read the Bible and I see how much Jesus likes to eat and I think he would be a Food Network fan too. I'm more like Jesus every single day, praise you God. There are two miracles in the New Testament, two miracles in the Gospels, and you need to know this. If you don't know this, if you're not very familiar with the Bible, that's okay, you came to the right place. There are four stories about Jesus in the, in the Bible. There are four separate individual accounts of Jesus' life. They are called the Gospels. Uh, they are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and yeah. So the, the, the story of Jesus doesn't start with Matthew and, and in John. No, they're four different accounts. Matthew writes his story, Luke, Matt, Mark, all they all write separate accounts. But listen, all four of them uh, are very different. And they all have different parts of Jesus' life that they highlight. Do you know that out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only two miracles, two, that all four gospel writers saw important enough to put into their gospels? Only two. Which two are they? The resurrection, which is kind of important, right? And the feeding of the 5,000. This story was so important that all four camera angles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, on Jesus' life had to put it down in writing. Why? 
Well, I think it's because Jesus, God is trying to teach us through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John's um, Gospels that this is how God works. He blesses people, the disciples, to bless the world. And so let's recap the story. I want to give you the ABCs of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about our part in this story. So if you're taking notes, write it down. A, Jesus is a blessing to people. And everybody who's blessed by Jesus said... Jesus is, is, is going to bless your life. He does this. This is just, this is how he, he is. He blesses you. The Bible says in verse 13, now when Jesus heard this, what did he hear? He heard that Herod was out to get him. Herod just got done executing John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' forerunner, Jesus' predecessor. You can say, maybe even suggest he was Jesus' mentor. And now Jesus' and, by the way, he was Jesus' cousin. And now Jesus' cousin, forerunner, and mentor, and friend, and partner in the mission has been beheaded by Herod. Herod hears about Jesus and says, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. I, th I, th I think I'm going to come after him now. And Jesus hears two things. He hears, number one, his cousin has just been executed. That means that he experienced personal grief over a personal loss. And this is what I love about Jesus. He was human. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. You want to know how to work that out? Good luck. I don't know. But that's the, that's, that's the Chalcedon you know, creed that we get from our fathers in the faith. But he was 100% human, which means he knew what, was what it was like to lose a loved one. And so he withdraws. He withdraws to a desolate place, verse 13 says. He needed to be alone. Sometimes you need to be alone. Sometimes you need to just get away from work and friends and family and just get, leave me alone. I just need to pray or I just need to mourn or I just need to have some time for myself. Jesus knows how you feel. And he wanted to get away. But look what happens, he gets away by himself, but the crowds hear it, somebody spreads the word, I know where he is, and the crowds come from all over the place to come to this man, why? Because wherever Jesus went, miracles happened and lives were changed. Jesus is a blessing to people, he was such a blessing he couldn't get any time for himself. And that's why we're growing as a church, do you understand that? This church started in 2003 with 20 adults, now we have over 2,000 people who call this their church. That kind of growth is not because of cleverness and skill. That kind of growth is because we talk about Jesus up in this place. And when you glorify Jesus, people's lives get changed. You've seen the baptisms, you've heard the stories, you see the life change, you are the life change. Why? Because you came to the author of life, the bread of life, and the living water that was sent from heaven, and it changes your life. Jesus is a blessing. Number two, Jesus is never annoyed by people, or letter B, sorry, letter B, Jesus is never annoyed by people. Don't worry, I got four points later on, hallelujah. Letter B, Jesus is never, I'm so glad he's never annoyed by me, aren't you? Some of you don't pray enough because you think you're doing God a disservice. You think you're bugging him. You think he's got too much on his plate. We had a lady in one of our small groups once say, I pray to the saints because Jesus is too busy for me. And lovingly, the small group that she was in instructed her through the scriptures to find a place where it says we're supposed to pray to anybody other than our Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and she did, she tried to find, she couldn't find a verse, she came back, she learned 
she learned that Jesus is not too busy for her. Hallelujah. Praying to her father now, praying to her big brother Jesus, knowing that she can come straight into the throne room of God, and God doesn't say, oh, you again. I love that about my Jesus. If I needed time for myself because my cousin just got beheaded and people started showing up and crowding around me, I'd be like, ah, oh, not Jesus. What does it say? When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. The word compassion in the Greek literally means that his guts were moved. I wonder if you know what I'm talking about. It's when you have that deep down feeling that something on screen or something in life happens and you see it and something stirs up in here. I find it amazing that our Jesus, when people crowded around him, did not get annoyed by them. His guts were moved because he wanted to help people. Do you believe that about Jesus for you? What have you got? What's wrong with you? What's going on in your life? Have you got a failed marriage? Bring it to Jesus. Have you got some sin in your life? Bring it to Jesus. Have you got some insecurities, some failures, some feelings like you never add up? Bring them to Jesus. He knows what to do. He doesn't get annoyed by you. He doesn't get bothered by you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with the very love of God. He's never annoyed. And then let her see, he's ready and willing to help no matter the cost. He's ready and willing to help no matter the cost. A crowd gathers around Jesus in our story in Matthew chapter 14. And remember that Jesus knows that Herod is looking for him to execute him. And so the last thing that Jesus needs right now is publicity and healing people and feeding 5,000 people with a bagged lunch would garner him tremendous amounts of publicity. But Jesus doesn't let that fear stop him. He knows that he's gonna be heard about a little bit more by those who are after him if he does these miracles and feeds these people, and he takes the risk. I'm so glad that Jesus is willing to take the risk for his people. Do you understand? That's what the cross is. Jesus took the risk. He took the pain and the thorns in his brow and the nails in his hand and the scars on his back and the pierce in his side and the beating and the flogging and the whipping and the hatred and the mocking and spitting and tearing his beard out and all of that stuff. He, he bore that for you because he loved you and he's willing and ready to help you no matter the cost to himself. Some of you don't feel like you have a true friend. You've got a true friend in Jesus. Some of you got, feel like your father was a deadbeat, your mother left you or abandoned you, or whatever your story is. Or maybe you had a good family, but you've never had a good marriage or a good home life. I've got news for you. The Bible says a man of many comp companions will come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that friend is named Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. What have you got that you got to bring to him, I wonder? And when you bring it to him, miracles can happen. That's why our church is growing. So the disciples see these 5,000 men have been hanging around all day with Jesus, and now it's a little bit late, and so they come to a decision in verse 15. It says this, now when, uh, verse 15, it says this, now when it was evening, um, I lost my page here. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, 
Uh, this is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to the villages. Go buy food for themselves. So the disciples are, are basically like your average um, old-fashioned churchgoer. All right, Jesus. It's getting late. You've been preaching a lot, healing a lot. Fantastic. Been wonderful to be here. We've had a great service, great crowd, great turnout. Look at these people. Wonderful. Uh, but, it, you know, it's late. It's, I'm tired. My feet are hurting. If you could just wrap things up. You know, just bring on the worship team. Bring them out. Come on. Let them play some soft spiritual music. You do an altar call and then dismiss the people. <laughs> Send the crowds away. That's how disciples wanted to handle this problem. And I never thought about this. 5,000 hungry men is a serious problem. Who created the problem? You're afraid to say it because you know the answer. And even if you don't know the answer, you know the best choice in any church question is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus caused the problem. And I've read this story a hundred times, and I've never seen this before. The reason why these disciples have 5,000 hungry, hangry men on their hands is because Jesus created a problem. Can I tell you guys something? Waters Church has problems. You can write that down in your notes if you want to. We got a parking problem on Easter and Christmas. We always have a seating problem. Last Christmas, last Easter, both all the Easter's and Christmases we've had in this building, we've had to have our all-star volunteers park at the old building and walk all the way up here. Last Christmas, they were walking in rain up here to serve you. They parked over there so that they could make room for everybody who was coming late. How many know that's the heart of God right there? That's the heart of God right there. I'll make room. I'll, I'll take the aggravation so that you can have the acceptance of the Father. That's amazing. Some of the people who sit here up in the front row, they're our best people. They're our all-star volunteers. They know better than to sit back there. Hallelujah. But they do that so that they can make room for you people. When you come in late and there's a room in the back, they do that because they want to make sure that nobody misses the message. And we got more problems than that. We got a junior youth problem. In our junior youth area, there's not enough room for all the kids you guys keep bringing to church. And you keep bringing your tweeners to church and your tweeners love church. How many know that that is an amazing blessing to have your young teens love church? And we got, we got no room for them. We can't make more room. We got to build out a new space that we had earmarked for them way back when we first purchased this building. It's ready to go, but it's going to cost some money. We're asking you to give and help be a part of the solution to the problem. Many, many problems at Waters Church. You guys keep causing them because you keep bringing your friends and they keep meeting Jesus and Jesus keeps changing their lives. <laughs> I want to show you the stories of our problems. We got a video for you. Let's roll it. Watch these problems. I thought I knew Jesus, I thought I knew God, and I lived my life for 48 years believing that. Before coming here, um, I was kind of following my parents' lead. Um, and I think I was just kind of going through the motions. You know, kids and life and job. And I had a life that was not fulfilling. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home, and uh, there was a lot of chaos and confusion and just a lot of unhappiness. I turned to drugs and to anything that I could do to defy any type of God. 
you know, every morning I would wake up and say, this is going to be the last time uh, drinking, and, and um, I just couldn't do it. You know, for months and months it went on. I ended up in a coma for a few days, and I didn't know I was going to come out of it. My whole life I had been in control of everything. And I wanted it that way, because everything that good that happened, I gave myself a pat on the back for, and everything bad that happened was everyone else's fault. I thought if there is a God, God definitely didn't like me. And a friend of mine was on me. She was like, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go. And finally I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. And the moment I walked in, I knew I had found the place I was looking for. It was my first time in church in forever, and I cried. And when I came and I saw the, the welcoming, the everything about the church just telling me, you are home. I, I didn't accept it, how much he loved me, until I actually came here. He freed me from the bondage of alcoholism, drug addiction. This is where I need to be and what I'm supposed to do. And even if everything else in my life doesn't make sense or I don't know what I want, like this is something that I am so sure of. I don't have anxiety attacks the way that I used to. I don't feel depressed. And it's due to the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace, He saved me. My life was going in the wrong direction and the only thing that I could do was to surrender. Pastor Tim said, the way he phrased it, I can't remember exactly how, but Jesus isn't lost, you're lost. You don't have to go find him. It's me who has to be found. Amen. I'm in awe when I watch things like that. Let me ask you a question that's on your notes there. Are we disciples of this Jesus? Because the disciples had to learn something that day on that hillside with 5,000 people staring at them. They had to learn that the way God solves problems is by blessing his people so that they can give and serve and act to solve the problem. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus considers his disciples the answer to people's needs. You don't have to say, send the crowds away. I wonder who's saying, send this marriage away. Send these kids away. Send this coworker away. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I know they're a problem. You're the answer. You got to see it that way. You gotta see it that way because it's not just you in that business or that family or that marriage or in that parenting solution. It's you plus the Holy Spirit. You're the answer to that need. They don't need to go away, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 6, uh, 14, verse 16. They don't need to go away. You do something about it. Can we do something about our problems? Absolutely. Next week, you're on. Number two, number two in your notes. Jesus partners with his disciples in meeting people's needs. We're in partnership here. Again, it's not just you. It's you and Jesus. They said, hey, we only got five loaves and two fish. Look what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, <laughs> bring them here. I love that about Jesus because he knows. He knows what he's going to do. And look at the word bring. If you got your notes out, circle bring. Circle bring. We talked about that word last week. It's in our main theme for this, main message, uh, passage theme for this series, Malachi 3.10, talking about the tithes. This is why you give. This is why you give tithes. Look what it says, Matthew 3.10, bring. Same word, bring. You never give God anything because it's already his. I'll say that again because you all missed it. You never give God anything because it's already his. 
It's his money. It's his material. And these were his loaves. And then look what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be what? Food. God likes to eat. Food in my house so that when people show up here, we can't turn them away. We, we can't let them see a, a full parking lot and drive away. And by the way, we have seen that happen. The parking lot's so full, people walk, drive up this driveway, see it's full, and they say, I guess that's a sign from God, and they drive away. How many know it doesn't take much in New England to get people to avoid church? Yeah, we don't want that. So we gotta partner with Jesus to be givers because God has blessed us and given to us. So then he says, all right, now, how he orders the crowds, verse 19, to sit on the grass. And then look what it says, taking the five loaves, taking the five loaves, he looked up to heaven and blessed them, broke them, gave them to the disciples. This is what God does. He takes what you give, he multiplies it, and then you give it away. He takes what you, when you give to Jesus, Jesus has the power to multiply. That's number three. Jesus blesses and multiplies what you give. Every amount matters, and I'm asking many of you, listen to me very carefully. I'm asking you to give a sacrificial gift, a gift that's going to cost you, a gift that's going to hurt a little bit, maybe a lot. But God will honor that, multiply it, and bless it. This is how he operates. And many, 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 many teenagers will hear about Jesus because of you. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and not have anybody on the list that's not because of me. I want to, I want to have a few names on that list because I helped Jesus reach them. Anybody with me on that? I want that. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to just complain about the problem. Number four, finally, Jesus blesses his giving disciples abundantly. That sounds, it looks strange when you write it down, but bear with me. you got to say it right, okay? Jesus blesses his giving disciples. His giving. Some of you have not been yet so blessed as others. Why? Because you haven't realized the tremendous power of giving. God blesses giving. Why? Because God's into giving. And when you are into what God is into, he kind of like, I don't know, he kind of like, blesses you because <laughs> he's like, oh, I see. You get me. And then he pours back into your life. Now listen, every time I do a series on money, we talk about the tithe because it starts there and giving. And I've spent years in this church raising money. In fact, if you've been here any amount of time, you know that you've been through it with me. You've been through it with me. Some of you can remember the God can. Remember the God can, we will. God is, we are. God will, we must. Da, 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 da. All the fancy little phrases we came up with. Every single year we were doing a giving campaign, get into this building. Now we're doing another one in this building. And every single year I've had to raise money. Every single year. And I didn't get into this. I did not get into this business to be a money raiser. In fact, I don't like to raise money. I got into this business because I love the Bible, I love Jesus, and I love seeing people meet Jesus. I love that, that's what I love. I gotta raise money, do you know why? Because Jesus keeps making problems for us. If you don't like me raising money, blame Jesus. He keeps changing New Englanders all over the place. <laughs> and every time I do a series on money, we get emails, like all the time. No, no, positive ones, every time. Like, I won't, hear, I, I won't hear from you folks for a year. 
think that all the messages are pretty good. <laughs> no amens, I heard, all right, but nonetheless, we'll move on. And I'll do a giving message and I'll challenge people to give and here's what happens every single year. Somebody says, okay, fine, fine, pastor. I'll just try it. And they give and they tithe and God blesses them and then they see it and they write us. And so I got one this week. This is on top of a couple others that we've already got, but I got one this week. Here's what it says. This is one of you people. Hi, I just came to share a testimony with you. Uh, I just wanted to share a testimony with you. Uh, not sure who will get this, but someone helped me a few weeks ago on changing my tithe online. I was scared to do it. I fought it because it's the most I've ever tithed in any church. I don't make a lot of money and I'm already struggling. Anyway, the last 10 years I've been self-employed and my taxes every year are astronomical. Last year I owed $10,000. Yep. $10,000. I increased my tithe before taxes this year. I was in panic mode and I prayed. You hear the humanism here? You hear the, the human nature here? Just like you, just like me. I was, a, I was scared. I was in panic mode. So I prayed and then I, well, I love this. I left it to God and for the first time in 10 years, I got a tax refund. It helped with paying my taxes from previous years where I owed plus my bills on top of that. I started crying in the tax accountant's office and praised God in front of my tax lady. She said, it's all you. And I corrected her and said, no, this is all God. Testimony of the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you something. Our Father in heaven is watching, remember, his eyes are sweeping over the earth to see who can I bless and who can I empower. And I'm gonna tell you who, people who get it, people who understand, we're part, of the, we're part of the solution to the problems of our world. Jesus is gonna use us and it starts with what we do next week. If you're not praying, you pray, let God speak to you about the amount you wanna to give to kingdom builders, and God will, and then you give it. Maybe with fear, maybe with a little bit of, oh, okay, God, yeah. But when you let it go, you're gonna see God will say, okay, honey, okay, son, let's do this. Watch him bless it.